spoiler alert, spoiler alert, I forgot to tell y'all. Spoiler alert about this. It's your girl, Angelise, and this is my podcast, Purposely Random, a podcast where we talk about interpersonal skills development, intrapersonal skills development, mental health, and all things that are random. A little bit of singing. Today, we're going to be talking about WandaVision and arguing with myself. Today, I have a very special guest. Her name is Janine Wright, so because she be writing, she out here. All right. Janine. Tell the people a little bit about yourself. Um, like Angela said, I'm a writer. Hi, I'm Janine. Um, I am a writer. Um, I'm not published yet, working on things. I'm currently working in the school system, actually working with special needs individuals. I've loved comic books and stories and television and movies since I was a kid. Devoured everything I could read as a child. When I couldn't, like when the school books, children's books bored me, I stuck it to the adult section and read all the bigger books because I wanted bigger books. So I love story. It's a passion of mine to tell stories well and authentically. So I'm excited about today. I'm excited to talk about WandaVision. Yes, listen, me and Janine met in this group called Young, Black, and Christian. And when I tell you how good it feels to not only meet someone young, Black, and Christian, but someone who is a Marvel enthusiast, such as myself, I just was like, Lord, you are just aligning things. I just look at you, the beauty that is you, Lord. And so Janine and I uh, and another friend um, that we have, Whitley, we started talking about WandaVision, we actually started doing a book club first, and then we kind of just um, naturally gravitated towards talking about different things, WandaVision being one of those. And during our discussion, um, Janine brought up a lot of topics and a lot of connections that I was like, girl, I didn't even think about it like that. Somebody else has to hear this because, listen, <laughs> these are some oh, good Lord. topics. These are some good things you're bringing up. And so what we're going to be doing today is kind of talking about um, Wanda and like what she was really experiencing, which is the grieving process. Um, so that kind of leads me to my first question that I had for you, Janine, and that was um, going to be, tell me like your overall thoughts about WandaVision. Um, I, okay, one thing in general for me, um, Marvel is a very punchy storytelling style. They're very, um, like, boom, 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 especially with the movies. And I know with movies, you got to kind of give, you can only give a microcosm story. And I, I love story, but I always want to go deeper. I always want to go further. So I'm super, I've been excited about 
the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but I'm also excited about the way they're now bridging that into the television because now I feel like that television is going to be a way to like kind of expand stories and go deeper. Mm-hmm. Like we definitely saw WandaVision, like we're seeing because as of now, um, the first two episodes of Falcon and Winter Soldier have been out. So even seeing that microcosm of a story, like for me, it's like, this is this is what I live for. Yes. I want to know what the characters are thinking and feeling and being before they get to the battlefield. So um, mm-hmm. WandaVision as a whole was a great, like, it was an aftermath story. Because, I mean, you were having the end, like, you know, Endgame comes out and we're like, yeah, Thanos defeated and the mm-hmm. blip and ah. And we're like, yeah, we're done. We came back. But it's like that question of, like, how do we rebuild? Yeah. Um and Wanda's story was a very much a personal rebuilding, whereas I feel like Falcon and, and um, Winter the Soldier is going to be a lot more about, like, everyone, like, how people rebuild communities and lifestyles and all that. But um, I, I was really excited to see Wanda kind of fleshed out um, and see, kind of dig into her story, where she's from, all the little glimpses of story you get in the movies, they go in depth, and I, I loved every part of that. Yes, um, like and spoiler alert spoiler alert i forgot to tell y'all spoiler alert about this hopefully i can put that in beforehand but anyway spoiler alert i loved seeing wanda the connections that she had to each of those different like episodes like how it had the different themes like um man malcolm in the middle i don't forgot all these shows that this girl didn't put in this thing but you know Uh, Bewitched was one of them And like just seeing All of those different things and at first we thought It was so random but then To see how it connected To her childhood it just Really like moved me Especially since these were things that she used To connect with her Family and for her to bring those back Especially in the time when she's grieving I felt was really powerful Um, Yeah what thoughts kind of crossed your mind when you realized we were seeing Wanda go through that grieving process and how did it like kind of mirror some of your own journey? Um, see, I feel bad because you then told them I say all these deep things and now if I don't be deep, no. it's gonna... congratulations. No, Angela, you played you yourself, have... huh? I played myself. Me out. <laughs> no. No, um, um, so I guess in general, like her grieving process, it started with um i think it was really interesting how her process though it it kind of was big things were beginning to unravel Mm -hmm. i think when agnes comes and that moment is where because i feel like at the beginning she's just coping she's thrust into this world and she's just trying to make the best of it and keep everything together everything is going to um you know chaos everything's getting crazy but she's trying to keep a lot of a lot of things together and it's not until Agnes comes that she goes it's like a moment for her to stop and think mm-hmm. about it um and so for me my journey like in life in general like it's very easy I think for all of us to like cope but I'll say for myself I was I was chief coper like mm-hmm. I'm going to get by I'm going to keep my nose to the grindstone I'm going to get it done and I I've throughout life at different seasons of my life I've had that sense of all right we got to get it done you're running you're gunning you're not thinking about what all these things mean they're just happening and you're just putting out into all these little fires that you're just kind of putting out 
And it's not until that moment where she finally gets to the point of things are out of her control. Agnes shows up and goes, now let's talk about this. That she's mm-hmm. kind of like, how did I get here? And I think yeah. that becomes kind of the turning point. It's a dark point for her because things are really as much out of the out of control as they can be. She's literally trapped all her powers, abilities, whatever she had that was allowing her to like cope and deal with stuff. All her coping mechanisms are now stripped away. And mm-hmm. now she's faced with, now we have to just deal with reality. Now I have to actually think intentionally about how I got here and, and why I'm here and then how do I get out. Um, and like I said, Agnes is like an unlikely candidate for her to get emotional healing and growth mm-hmm. because she's definitely doing it from a place of, I just need to find out why you're doing it, how you did this, so I can get this power. But it ends up being like a therapeutic experience, this wake-up call of like, oh, I don't have any of my coping mechanisms at my disposal. Now I have to, now I have to deal. Um, and for me, I've experienced that several times in my life. Um, and I think one of the mo- most poignant moments um, was when I dropped out of college. So I dropped out of college and, you know, people, I did go back eventually, but for a while it it looked a little shaky. Um, um, And I had dropped out of college. I had spent basically 19 years of my life performing and doing, and my first year of college went actually well. I was stressed. I was pressed. And I felt like this is too much, Mm -hmm. but I was able to pull it off. And so when I kind of was trying to tell people, hey, I, something's wrong. I didn't have words for it. I didn't know, but something was wrong. Mm-hmm. No, like it was kind of like, you're, you're fine. You got a 3.0. You're good. Like, I don't understand the problem. So I went back for my sophomore year of college and everything fell apart. Mm-hmm. And so when everything kind of fell apart, um, that was my moment of truth. I literally spent my spring semester of sophomore year trying to like, get a grade for a class I felt every class like I was really going if I can maybe I could do it in history maybe I could do it in my math class maybe I could can I piece this together can I hand this in late can I hand you in three pages of a five-page paper can I hand you like what can I do and I was stressing and struggling um and I had literally got to the point like it's really funny because Wanda was like at one point with the the bird when she's like you know and things are poofing and all that Mm -hmm. stuff around her yeah. But the bird's still there and not disappearing. And I feel like yes. that's kind of the place I hit. Like, I was, like, trying to pull things together. I remember my thing, like I said, I've, I've been reading since, you know, forever. I read. Mm-hmm. I tear through books. Freshman year of college, even. I'm, I was, like, one of the few kids, apparently, I didn't know other people did this. That wasn't skimming. Like, I never skimmed. I have ne- To this day, I have never skimmed. I mm-hmm. read everything. And I, I, I read fairly fast. I'm not saying this as a brag thing. I'm saying it, it's just the truth. I read very quickly. So mm-hmm. I was used to bulleting through books, reading through things, taking notes, remembering, discussing, like, and being like on it. I got mm-hmm. to the point at one point where I was reading pages and I could not recall any piece of information. I was drawing a blank. I had a, um, my first mm-hmm. bout with sciatica, which is a pinched nerve situation. Um, I didn't know at that time that I had sciatica. I just knew my legs stopped working. It was a long story. It was just a crazy time in my life. Um, 
and nothing like I literally physically couldn't get out of bed. So that was a moment for me where it was like, well, none of my coping mechanisms, none of my working hard, none of my, you know, speed reading, none of my nothing was getting me through, you know what I mean? Like yeah. getting me through this period of time. And I ended up having to drop out because I had a breakdown. I would call my parents crying. I can't take it anymore. One of my professors knew I was messed up. He hugged me. Like, and he was just like, you're not doing well. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. um, And so I feel like that became my moment of like, how did I get here? And how do I get out? Like actually having to go into that dark place and say, hey, let's do it. Um, and I think um, when I watch Wanda's story, her being confronted with the rules of life that she was applying to other people like, especially with her kids, like, you can't just bring things back to life. You can't just bring things back to life. Mm-hmm. Um, meanwhile, she's living with a husband who is dead. Mm-hmm. You know, meanwhile, she is bringing kids out of her imagination. She's breaking all the rules, but she's trying to maintain enough semblance of order to keep up the facade that, no, I'm a good person. These are good things. I, You know, all of that stuff. Like, mm-hmm. um, And so going through that, like, she literally, and it's really interesting that she goes under the house with Agnes and she ends up entering into what is essentially a dark place, a place mm-hmm. of brokenness. Right. And then she has to kind of face her demons, face her trauma in order to find out where she comes from, why she is and what she's going and make that decision of who she wants to be now. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's, a, I think it's, it's pointed to say also that there's a lot of hard choices she has to make too. And I think, that's a part of her journey. I'm going to stop because I feel like I just want I just want to hear your <laughs> thoughts. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going. <laughs> well, Go I mean, things like these are like really inspiring to like just kind of keep like talking and talking. And like for me, I know my my reprocessing has a lot to do with like just hearing myself kind of like speak out loud my thoughts. So um, I definitely appreciated and this is going to kind of tie into the next thing I wanted to talk about I definitely appreciated the things that you're saying about how Agnes kind of like made her uncomfortable so she had to face things but what I loved was by Agnes shaking things up Wanda in turn started to argue with herself meaning for me vision was like her subconscious that she was suppressing and keeping you know like I know this man is not alive. I know I just made him up. <laughs> I know I watched him die. What was it? Three times? Maybe it was two times. I'm not sure. Like she killed him, and then then Thanos had killed him, and then she yeah. then she had to keep watch him die later on in the actual show. But she had watched him die like two times, so she knew deep down that he was not alive. And even in her waking up and being like in this new town, which we later later find out that she created out of her deep sadness, like seeing that he had like picked out this town for them to live in. And just that moment, like she was barely getting by. And just to see that, like finally push her to where she has to express these emotions, however wrong people may say it is, I don't care. Cause listen, I am for, I'm for everything she did. Okay. Those people didn't die. They might have been sad. They might have been away oh, from their Lord. family, living half life. <laughs> but I'm Team Wanda. <laughs> oh Lord, not Team Wanda. I'm I can't. Team, 
I can't be. And the reason the reason I can't be is because her trauma caused trauma for other people. I know. And they're and they're not. And I'm unfortunately because of the situation, they're not going to get the help to work through that stuff. I know. Um, at, at all because they're not important to the you know grand scheme of things in that way. So no one's going to send them the therapy. No one's going to talk to them about how to deal with this. Um, what it's like to be a prisoner. And the thing is, her grief, she struggled with, that she was a prisoner of her sense of loss and, and feeling alone. Mm-hmm. But she created, in turn, that same prison for other people. Like the one lady who said, my daughter, can you just let her come out of her room? Yeah. Like, it's like, I can't imagine how scared her, even if her daughter was 16, it'd be like, I can't imagine how her daughter feels not being able to leave like her room because mm. of something in her head that sung her she can't come out um Dang. and it's and then she's like a prisoner and i think about how when grief goes unprocessed it mm. damages others like you know this saying goes hurt people hurt people mm. right so i i feel like she was hurting but in turn she created a prison for everyone else. So she was hurting other people. All right, Janine, I feel you and I know you're right, but listen. <laughs> you got right. I'm still Team Wanda, even though like what you're saying is so valid and I feel so bad for those sideline characters. Um, the background of the town. I feel bad for them because you're very right. She's causing trauma to these people. I did love that she didn't just change their minds it's like she sat in her hurting of them though and I feel like there's so much honor in her not continuing to lie to make herself look better or feel better about what she did because and that's another thing like vision definitely through um Agatha kind of shaking things up vision that is Wanda was like, yo, what you're doing is wrong. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? No, like, I'm mad you just let me call her Agnes. Her name was Agatha. Agatha, my bad, girl. Agatha, Agnes. Girl, you messed me up. <laughs> I'm sitting here saying it, and you ain't saying nothing to me. I'm like, this doesn't feel right, but I could not remember. That I'm going to be real, y'all. I just, for those of you who watch it, I'm going to be real. I did grow up with X-Men, but I grew up with, like, the 90s cartoon X-Men, right. and I read some of the comics. My uh, my Scarlet Witch was though I know her as Scarlet Witch and I know some of the things about her. I later watched X Men Evolution, which was not as good. I digress. Um, <laughs> I don't know all of the side stories. I will I will be honest. I feel bad because I already feel like you know nerd culture. <laughs> like I'm gonna hear the gatekeepers going, "You're not a real fan. You called her Agnes. You you know what? You can have that." I'm a I'ma let you have that because I I just like good stories. So I don't <laughs> although I am a Marvel fan, I understand I'm not a stan, y'all. I'm a fan, not a stan. Well, to be y'all. fair, she did go by a different name in the actual show. So so I think it's um Agatha in the show, but it's like something hard. Now I got now I'm messed up, Janine. Oh Lord! <laughs> but anyways, whatever. Look, this is the thing. The point of the matter is, we we stand for the show. You know, I didn't read the comic books. I know, hold y'all. I looked at some YouTube videos, several of them, and I was like, I'm gonna nerd out on this, and y'all can feel how you want to feel. But that's this is my podcast, and we gonna do how we do. Back to Vision, though. 
I I feel like for me, before I didn't process my grief, um, I suppress a lot. Like I don't like like to feel it. I become numb in these situations. And it wasn't until I started to really go to therapy that I like started to really unsurface like my subconscious things and like learning how to reprocess those things. And I feel like that's the process that we're seeing. <laughs> we're seeing therapy in real life where it's like, she went to this extreme place and finally someone's like, Hey bro, like this is not right. And then she's like, yeah, this isn't right. And then finally we see things happen um, to make her come into herself. And I think that that's oh. important. That's the most important part. Like, even though she's headed to a really dark place, even darker than she has been, it's still, she's coming into her power and to her own voice, which I think is going to be so amazing to see. Um, yeah. The Marvel Cinema Universe plays that out because in the comic books, it's a totally different story. Like we have, we get into House of M, which I'm a huge fan of. And we get into some other things where you see just how powerful Wanda really is. And they kind of talk about it in the show. And I think we're going to see some things in Multiverse, the Doctor Strange movie. So I'm here for it. Now, Janine, I wanted to ask you um, kind of how you felt about that whole vision, Wanda vision, actual vision that is made from Wanda. Yeah, I was going to say, before we go, before I answer that, one thing also I wanted to point out, her use of TV to process Mm -hmm. As somebody who does you who actively uses storyline to TV to process through emotions, because I do do that, um, to like process through my thought process and, and what I'm feeling and emotion, I tend to watch shows and, and identify with certain characters and kind of mm -hmm. go, oh, when they said this, it reminds me of how I felt when my brother said this or how I felt when my boss said this. So yeah. I'm very, I'm here for it. I think, I think. It's a safe space to deal with hard issues. I think yeah. it can become a very safe, a safe way to deal with that. Because if I'm watching a TV show and I start seeing someone being selfish, I might go, wow, I'm selfish without someone being like, hey, Janine, you're selfish. I might become mm -hmm. very defensive if Angela was to approach me and say, hey, you're selfish. I'm like, oh, no, I'm not. How dare you? How dare you? Whereas, <laughs> <laughs> with that voice because that is my uh, uh, I've been accosted voice um, but if I'm watching a TV show and I hear them saying similar things to what I've said and I go that person selfish you know you hear narrative and you can easily look at that narrative see where that person is wrong and then turn it on yourself and go oh that's what I missed because now I'm in a safe space mm -hmm. and I don't feel attacked so my vulnerability is showing and now I can actually realistically look at things um and so uh in general i feel like even to the end where at the one point they're all because when you said vision it triggered the thought of him doing that moment where he goes i don't know wanda is doing this mm -hmm. and it seems like she doesn't even want us and he's like doing that little um you know real world chair talk you know yeah, confessional like, yeah. like the confession booth Hey guys, this is what I was, and I can't believe Wanda is keeping me out of the, you know, and he's yeah. talking. And then he had this moment of like, why am I talking to you? Mm -hmm. I need to go do this. Right. And I think that's what it, it, essentially the whole show is like her kind of processing through life and the life mm -hmm. she thinks she should have, the life she ended up with, and what she's lost and what she's gained and who she wants to be from this very safe vantage point of. I'm watching TV. I'm safe because yeah. it's only TV. It's not real. 
Um, so I think in general, um, I definitely see where vision is definitely the, at first I wasn't sure just because of, I mean, we, we talked about spoilers. So just because of the way it, it originally was um, positioned, mm -hmm. it felt like that was the real vision that she somehow brought back to life at first. Yeah. Because she kept seeing him dead, but then kind of, and I kept thinking, oh no, she stole Vision's body and reanimated the corpse and oh my God. Yeah, like, you know. Definitely. Um, and I was like, so originally for me, Vision having his own thoughts and feelings and beginning to argue with her mm -hmm. seemed natural. It's like, oh, you've given enough power for him to think of himself as himself. Yeah. And he's now, because he's Vision, asking questions. Right. You know, but then when I started realizing, no, there, there was never a vision there. She mm -hmm. did that straight from her power, her magic. Yeah. Then it became like, oh, she's not, she needs to let this go, but she doesn't know how. Right. And this is all just an elaborate opportunity for her to let, and to process through and let go. Right. It's all just an elaborate, I, this is the life I wanted to have. Because in real life, when all her ideas about future life and all her dreams and plans of loving vision, and maybe she did thought, think she'd make a family with him. I don't know how his cybertronics works. Anyway, maybe she wanted that. When he died, it all died with, like, all of her dreams of that kind of life died, like, yeah. immediately. Yeah. Within that moment. But then, um, but then, like, the journey for her then was to learn how to say goodbye to the... Because that was a physical manifestation of her dreams dying. Mm -hmm. Because she wasn't going to have vision anymore. She wasn't going to have the family. She wasn't going to have... Like, he bought her that house, the property, he bought for her so they could live a life together. So when he died, all chances of that... Mm -hmm. were wiped away so she actually now is going through the grieving process of saying this is the death of my dreams this is the depth death of the hopes that i had yeah um and i think that process was lived out in a very dramatic way but i think it was necessary for her to be able to actually come to an understanding so that she could let it go yeah um and that definitely was a process and i think that definitely was essentially a very elaborate funeral for her yeah. dreams and yeah and the closure that we so often don't get and that's kind of like why I'm so team and I know it's controversial why I'm so te team her getting the closure that she needed because I mean honestly we all do some sense of that when we're really in our most hurt places. And I hope that we don't do it to that degree. Let me just go ahead. Like, I don't know. If don't Angela build new powers, worlds, don't build Angela new lives. If Angela powers, baby, I'd be building my own worlds anyway inside my mind. <laughs> so I, know, I can only I imagine. Oh, <laughs> I can only imagine what kind of town I would have taken over. Um, but I'm team her. I'm team her going through that process. And like, obviously I didn't want people to get hurt. Uh -huh. But I just thought it was so beautiful to see how how human, even in her superpoweredness, how human she was. And um, I think that why why I love that so much is because it shows that we need to normalize doing the work because 
you showed me a meme the other day um, that talked about um, what's this boy's name? Sebastian Stan. His his character um, is soldier. Yeah, Bucky. And it talks about how he like outlived all of his entire family, spent decades like killing innocent people, um, under mind control. Like he loses his best friend and he's all alone in the world. Like he literally has to like meet other people that are like the age that he would be to kind of have some sort of sense of like connection, but he's still kind of this outside world and he goes to therapy and that's great. You know, he, he has the resources and things to do that. Whereas you look at someone like WandaVision or WandaVision, Wanda, <laughs> Wanda, who, who goes about like controlling that town. So she needed the, the therapy and she took therapy into her own hands. But if she would have, maybe culturally been brought up in a place that that was like, you should go to therapy, you know, or something like that. Maybe that story would have been different. But I think that I love that D, not DC girls, calm down. Marvel is showing us the importance of like therapy. Um, yeah. And you, I was going to say, and this is a little off subject, but I was actually thinking earlier about one of the things that I said, like digging into characters is sometimes because Marvel is so punchy with the way it tells stories, you don't get to dig as much in, especially when you have Mm -hmm. a cast as large as you have for um, Infinity Wars and Endgame. You just really don't have time to be like, let's tell individual stories. Mm -hmm. But um, one of the shining moments of the storytelling was with a couple of key moments with Tony Stark. And the moment that sticks out in my mind the most is when he starts having the nightmares, he ends up having a panic panic attack in mm-hmm. Iron Man 3. And I thought about that, and I was like, wow, who helps the superheroes? Mm. Like, who helps them process through, get one, gaining power, seeing what they've seen, battling what they've battled, and, like, you know, not having anyone, in, in the essence, stronger than them. Like, you are the final answer. Yeah. If you can't solve it, Thanos wins. Right. You know what I mean? If you can't do this, then it, you know, everything is going to, you know, hell in a handbasket. But yeah. um I feel like that internal battle that all heroes of that caliber would have to go through mm. is like that's crazy. What the kind of law it's like you can't even imagine. Like, if you think about Wanda being like, I had to kill somebody I cared about because I was the only one powerful enough to do it. There wasn't a moment where it was like, well, maybe Tony, uh, her. Like, it's like, no, it it has to be you. Um, And then, like, even in the middle of her having to destroy it, then watching him be reanimated and being Mm -hmm. like, okay, dead again. And it's like, uh uh, how do I process that? How do I even, who do you talk to? You know? Um, yeah. So I guess like there, there is a level for me where I'm like, man, they, there's no space. There's no room. You, you do end up just coping. Mm-hmm. However, they end up coping. It's a wonder that Tony is an alcoholic. Uh, it's yeah. a wonder. That, <laughs> like, I just feel like yeah. just take a pill and make it all go away. You know? Um, yeah, but it also speaks to like even what you're saying about alcohol being a, a big major way that that even regular super powerless people they used to cope. I think that that's why it's important to have like an anchoring, and um, 
I think that it's great that they do have a thing like Avengers, even though like I know they don't have group therapy sessions. <laughs> Spoiler alert for Winter Falcon. I'm not Winter Falcon girl. It's called Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I've just been putting the names together. I love that they had to go to group therapy. Sam. Yeah. <laughs> I loved it. No, I I love. Uh, well, we're not okay. So I'm just gonna quickly say this. I love their interactions. I yes. love the interactions of those two characters. Um, and most of the reason why I love the, the interactions there um, is is largely because it's not there's not this romantic like. And when I say romantic, I don't mean um, like love interest. I mean mm-hmm. super romanticized, I guess it would be a better way to say it. Like idea of like, and we're buddies and we we wrestle, but we're good. And like, it's like, nah, they're really looking at each other like, I don't even like you. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, I don't like you either. And they're like antagonizing each other mm-hmm. to try to, and but it's like a very real, and I mean, eventually you obviously, the show's about the two of them, so they're going to learn how to work together. We get right. that. But just the talking through and like even having Bucky go to, I mean, his, his therapy is court mandated, to be clear. <laughs> to be clear. Um, but to talk about like, nah, in real life, if you went through something like that, yeah, you would need, you would need help coping. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and I think, I don't want to go into, but Falcon was, they have these moments and they like, there's this, there are realizations that come mm-hmm. in their, in therapy and in that doing the work that don't come if you don't stop and think. Yes. And I think that's a big, a big line in WandaVision. Like she didn't stop and think. And mm-hmm. then finally when Agatha shows up and it's like, we need to figure out where you got these files from. Homegirl is like, wait, now I got to relive. And she then she literally was like, I don't want to go through that door. Yeah. And I was, and I've never felt something so real in my life. Mm-hmm. Wanda goes, I don't want to go through that door. And she goes, yes. but you have to. But the crazy thing is, she goes through the door and she's scared to death. And she goes through all these doors. The end, the last two doors, I believe it is, she runs to them. Because mm-hmm. she starts to begin to connect pieces, and yeah. she's like, "I gotta do this." It stops being about pleasing Agatha and saving her kids, and mm-hmm. it starts being about saving herself and getting to the yeah. bottom of this, so she can understand. Yeah, I mean, this show is something that, like, I feel like is more than just one conversation because it's like so many layers, and like, especially when you start to look at like the internal arguments, the external consequences, like you were talking about with the other people that have suffered because of our healing that we have to go through. Um, I do want to stop though. And I kind of want to like talk about something we kind of touched on a little bit with the whole Falcon Winter Soldier thing, which is like friendship. That's budding. Because at first, you know, they they wasn't really feeling each other. There's like <laughs> Captain America's here, whatever. And I kind of was to tie it into like our friendship because I feel like... As, you, as y'all might not know, me and Janine are internet friends. Listen, look at this. <laughs> this pandemic brought us together in a mighty way. And it was so funny because Janine had expressed to me like she hasn't really had internet friends. So this is kind of a new experience. And I feel yeah. like um, I wanted to kind of ask you, like, how has this pandemic and social media kind of like impacted your social your social life and 
friendship that you're gaining? Um, so I am an introvert, INFP to be exact, Enneagram 4, I believe. Um, and so if you know anything about Enneagram 4, it's a fear type. Um, mm-hmm. And I struggle with a lot of anxiety, right? So I get, I have generalized anxiety about almost anything you could think of. So people mm-hmm. think of anxiety as you're afraid all the time. Ah, it's not that. It's just this general feeling like, for me, it's a running tally of everything that's probably going to go wrong in the next, you know, five minutes Um, all the time. So there's always like, and I'm always, and then because I'm an introvert, an INFP, like a dreamer, I'm in my head. So I'm in my head all the time for fun. I'm in my head for fear. I'm in my head all the time. Um, And one of the chief things for me has been like uh, my last job, I worked seven years in New York. Um, in an organization working with youth and, and families and stuff. And so what I ended up doing was a lot of program stuff, a lot of, you know, public speaking and program and running around with kids and being in large groups. Um, and I kind of had to fight through anxiety every day doing that. Um, and so my, because I, my capacity was kind of overextended by that, I literally like with friends, my friends were work friends and Mm. I kind of didn't, I had friends that I knew before work. I had friends that I knew from college, but I kind of focused in on my work friends because this is the work we were doing. I didn't have the capacity to be like, let me do these things for fun. I didn't do a lot of like reaching Mm -hmm. out to people because one, I'm introverted. I have high anxiety. um, And I had a lot that I was battling through daily with just doing my job. Yeah. Um, and so for me, a lot of my, like, I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't socializing. Like mm-hmm. I didn't socialize for fun. I socialized for work. And then when <laughs> I finished socializing for work, I went home, I read books and I went to bed. Right. I crocheted as well. So not that would crochet. Um, so then like pandemic hits and we our thing is retreats and events and large scale events, 30, 40, 50 kids, you know, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and you kind of realize, well, we can't meet in groups. New York got to the point where we were, I think when we really started realizing it's going to be a problem, they had gotten down no groups of 10. We had to, we ran a summer uh, camp program. We had to cancel that. Mm-hmm. All of that became like, you know, we can't go out. Like the restaurants closed, everything was shut down um, in March. And I suddenly realized I didn't, my workload decreased by like 75%. Mm-hmm. and I didn't have anything to do and I kind of got I did, had decided had decided. let me tell you I decided in January I was going to start dating so I got myself some profiles online <laughs> and did that whole thing and then March everything shuts down so who the heck am I dating um so <laughs> that was yeah like honestly but bro, bro, bro honestly yes I have all this social time I'm obviously on dating apps and whatever. And I, you know, end up Facebooking and uh, I started and I never comment on posts on the internet. Like I, I really don't. I like statuses. I like, I'm in groups Mm -hmm. on Facebook, but I would just like stuff or save pictures and send it to other people that I know. And I really didn't like communicate. Um, I got involved with different groups, um, mostly Christian groups, actually. Mm -hmm. And through that, I met a couple of friends. And um, uh, one friend, 
basically met me. I said, I'm going to introduce myself in this singles group. Mm-hmm. Introduce myself in this singles group. I met a, a uh, young lady, actually, who was just like, I like your vibe, sis. Let's talk. Like, hit me up. Like, mm-hmm. we're just going to be friends. I'm here for, you know, like, we could just do this. I like, I, I, I feel like I, I feel like we'll get along. Mm-hmm. I'm like, all right. Like, <laughs> And in, in reality, I'm one of those people, like, I have to warm up to you. Yeah. It helps when people are more outgoing than me because then I can get a feel for everything that they are. And then I can kind of ease into that. It's harder when I meet other introverts mm-hmm. because sometimes other introverts, like, I have to be the loud social one. And I'm like, yeah, this is exhausting. <laughs> but, um, like, it's like, I don't want to be the social one. Um, that's why I have. I think I have quite a few friends who are extroverted as a result of that because it's easier for me to just be like, let me see if I like you. I don't like you. Move on. <laughs> or right. let me see if I like you. You're cool. We can do this. Uh, and I think extroverts are a lot more patient mm-hmm. with that part because they're like, like, so they're like, they're used to the rebuff and then like, they're like a lot more likely to bounce back where introverts get rebuffed and they're like, well, I'm going back to my hovel. <laughs> um, nice. So, so anyway, I, I, you know, I love introverts. I'm an introvert. My best friend's an introvert. He's great. Um, but we actually only became friends because we worked together for two years. So, so we became like, we had to deal with each other. So um, we, and we bonded. But um, so meeting people that way, it, it became this weird thing where, because she was like, a, do you want to do this? Do you want to do that? Do you want to do this? You mm-hmm. want to get on the Zoom meeting? We're doing a call. There's a live concert. Do you want to go see this? And I started getting involved with more Facebook groups and stuff. Mm. I actually got involved with an anime group that's for um, Black girls. We started mm-hmm. doing, they would do weekly, I was, because I needed something to do. Because yeah. it was like I was reading and stuff, but I was like, nah, I was used to on Saturdays, you know, going to the movies or yeah. going out, you know, to a restaurant. And I was starting to realize, shoot, like. I can't do the $5 movies anymore. I can't mm-hmm. do the, like, I can't go to the bookstore anymore. Everything's closed. The mall is closed. There's nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I had to start being more active on social media. And it became uh, a kind of a doorway to me to start talking to people, meeting people, getting to know people. And I actually had a stop and look around moment mm-hmm. um, at that time, because I think before that I was kind of just living my life. Um, and like stopping and looking around kind of was like, wait a minute, there's Facebook groups for like, I found, I found a blurred group, black nerd mm-hmm. group. And I'm like, what the heck is a blurred? Wait, mm-hmm. there's groups for this. I didn't know mm-hmm. there were other black people who watch anime and not in an ignorant way, but literally just being like, I didn't know there was such a huge blurred culture. Right. Um, crap. Let me look into that. Let me meet. Oh, there are christian blurs there's christian Mm -hmm. nerds there's christian weaves there's oh snap there's a fandom for everything i like um and just connecting with people through that and i um one of uh, my neighbors actually remarked because she's known me for a long time and she said this is the most i said oh yeah i'm doing this thing i ended up going on virtual dates and stuff and and i was just like and she was like this is the most social you've ever been and i'm like i know (laughs) <laughs> internet i was like the internet is awesome Who knew? um and so i feel like and it also because um of the aspect of writing like i said i write um and just for me personally i always feel like i express better in writing like i'm i'm, I'm very verbal i'm very b- mm-hmm. verbose as you can tell 
But um, being able to walk into a space and write my thoughts out through mm-hmm. like posts and messages and contacting people and letting people get a feel for what I'm like um, and getting a feel for what other people were like just through writing, I felt like it opened up another kind of arena for me to express and be understood at a different level. And then like, so then by the time Facebook introduced these rooms and mm-hmm. we're all in rooms talking to each other, I really was like, oh, I, I know these people. These people know me. Yeah. We're having conversation. And it's it's really funny because, you know, people talking, um, you know, a couple of my friends are like, oh, you're Facebook friends. And oh, yeah, those people on the internet. And I'm like, well, they're real people. Yeah. Like, this isn't just messages. I video chatted. I know what Angela looks like. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? And I know what her voice sounds like. I know what she sounds like when she's, you know, angry. I know what she sounds like when she's tired. Like, <laughs> here are the people. Like, you know what I mean? I know yes. what she sounds like when she's laughing at a joke. Like, it's like, oh, these are real people. Um, and I think it opened up a new realm for me because I think, um, like I said, I lived with high anxiety when I was younger. Uh, I knew a lot of people who would have friends that they met on MySpace or whatever. And I always thought, like, how do you do that? hmm um, and then I realized, like, as 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 it's grown, especially as the pandemic was going on, you start realizing, like, oh, there's there's opportunities here. There are people here. There's a there is a space where you just take that step forward, yeah. and then you watch who meets you there. Um, mm-hmm. And I think this time of pandemic and virtual, like this growing of virtual communities it's really shifted a lot of my mind about what it takes to build community, what it takes to build relationship. Cause I Mm -hmm. think I did have a thought that it would look a certain way. I did. um, I did have a thought that like, well, friends were people you went to school with or friends were people who you met at church or friends were people that you worked at your job, friends were people you met in the bookstore. And to be like, well, a friend is who you choose to make your friend. Right. Exactly. Um, and, and like, and I feel like that that becomes the thing. Like, um, I'm now learning how to choose into friendships. I think, mm-hmm. I think I would choose things before, but kind of almost unconsciously. Yeah. Um, on some levels, but I also realized there were some people that I did have to, because they were difficult, um, make a real life choice. Like there's a good friend of mine who I always tell him to the day I remember October, 2014 was when we became friends. Mm -hmm. And he said, you're the only person I know who has a date for that. And I was (laughs) like, I have a date for it because that's when I decided to, to be your friend. Right. Because before that, we were acquaintances and we knew each other from college and we worked together a little bit, but I kind of didn't want to like be bothered, if I'm honest. Yeah. Um, but I kind of experienced a level of realizing I was being selfish. Mm-hmm. And part of the reason why I didn't want to be friends with him was because I had an attitude problem. And the way we had to clash to understand each other, I didn't want to do the work. Mm-hmm. Um, and then deciding to do the work and just kind of experiencing conviction and being like, I was wrong to treat you that way. I'm mm-hmm. going to make a decision to treat you differently. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like with a lot of other people, 
I made that decision a little less obviously. But I think the friendships, even on the internet, have been, I'm choosing into this. Like from the first introduction, hey, you want to come do this? Mm -hmm. It's an active choice to say, I will be a part of this. Yeah. Um, And I think that's another part of of also boundaries. I thought it was very interesting to go back to WandaVision a little bit, um, where Wanda, though she tries to like, she vision is given a tremendous leeway mm-hmm. to do what it is he's doing to investigate how he is because even though agatha feels like i'm pulling the strings i'm doing stuff right like wanda is still very much in control of vision right. but she gives him some semblance of autonomy which is why they're able to argue and fight and i think the boundaries of knowing where you end and someone else begins because i did realize part of the internet with the loss of that external socialization it's very easy for me to be like well i'm just going to socialize on the internet and these are this is just what i'm going to do now to fulfill that need and i'm i'm just going to do that i had to then actively make the choice to step back for periods of time yeah. from the internet and say i have real life friends that i can call on the phone mm-hmm. that i haven't talked to in a month and i need to i need to choose into those relationships as well yeah. Um, and it's really taught me the necessary boundaries for my relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's been a big part of my journey since the pandemic started. It's like all these boundaries, where do I end? Where do you begin? Um, I moved in with my sister. We have, we share an apartment now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was living alone for a long time and we decided to move in together because, you know, finances is, it's, it's better this way. Mm-hmm. Um, but like even that boundary of like where do I where does my free time like and her free time link up? When yeah. can we choose into being together and when are we gonna purposefully rather than just falling into I'm just living my life, you're just living your life, when are we gonna actively choose into honoring our sisterhood? Or when are we going to have to choose into honoring our individuality? So yeah. it's a, a huge amount of boundaries setting that I'm learning right now. Mm-hmm. So I didn't realize I, you know. I didn't know. Girl, speaking of that too, I feel like this pandemic has brought me to boundaries too. And like actually like setting in them and like dealing with the consequence of making people treat me the way that they, that I believe that they should treat me, you know, with respect and um, to, to, like you said, very much choose me and make effort to choose this, this friendship or whatever we're trying to build. And what I've appreciated about you and I is that we have taken those moments to choose each other and really like learn those different boundaries and like work through things, even though this is like, I mean, yo, you're on the internet. I ain't got, I ain't got to talk to you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like we could have very yeah. easily done that. But what I've loved is that we have worked through this together. And like, I don't know, I'm just so, so in love with the community that has been created um, by us. Like just not even the bigger platform, YBC, but like just you and I and like like the book club that we're doing and like even these conversations that we choose into. Um, it's really great to see. I do want to close the podcast out though, because I know that you guys are probably wanting more of Janine, more, 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 but we got to go. We got to go ahead and go about our way. 
Oh, no. I'm going to see if Janine will come back. If you guys want more of this, just go ahead and like, comment um, below. Talk to us more about what you liked about WandaVision. So for our very last segment, though, Janine, I do want to ask you a question. Um, it's from this book, 3,000 Questions About Me. Um, we talked a lot about, you know, bringing that con subconscious to the conscious. So just off the top of your head, I just want you to answer oh, no. one of these questions. <laughs> It's not even going to be a crazy one. Okay, let's see. It's um, 1,772. What would be your dream car? Any uh, SUV. Like, I really struggle. I like big cars. Um, I want an SUV or a truck of some sort. Um, I lean towards SUVs because the only trucks I can picture are like pickups. And I know there are other types of trucks. Yeah. So that is the only truck. Since I was two, that is what a truck looks like to me. And God bless. I want, I want cars that scream adventure and no limits. And I've been told that Jeeps are really good. I, I mean, Jeeps are fine, I guess. I'm not impressed with the Jeep. Mostly because I don't want to climb to get into it. I feel like Jeeps yeah. are taller than trucks sometimes. And it bothers me. Um, so, yeah, I want an SUV and a motorcycle. I'm here and for a yacht. it. And, no, a yacht, not a and a yacht, and a jet, and a, <laughs> I want it no. all. But, yeah, SUV or a motorcycle. I honestly don't know if I have a dream car. I guess my dream car would be the car that I have now, which is not even all of that, but it's all that to me. Um, I have a Toyota Camry, and I, I, Janina, we are like, not supporting that. We are I like not supporting it. that. Listen, I support unadulterated black joy, but this sounds like. <laughs> unadulterated black mediocrity and i'm not okay i'll with be it. mediocre i'll i'll, I'll be that because i like my little baby but oh, anyways no. thank you so much janine for joining me um i hope you all have enjoyed this conversation about wandavision arguing with ourselves being internet friends how this pandemic has changed our worlds just like wanda changed them worlds of those people because we all are going through sh this traumatic <laughs> Listen, I'm doing some witch. <laughs> we have all yeah, got this. This is, this is chaos magic. It's chaos magic Angela, right now. Listen, chaos magic. We need to talk about how the pandemic is chaos magic for us. It's a traumatic experience. <laughs> but anyways, as always, be real. Be you. Do what you came here to do and be the light that you want to be. Peace. Things coming together so beautifully. Just you wait and see, take this journey with me.